So I grew up in Arizona. I never spent time in the South until I was an adult, until I was traveling and seeing dirt. So I'd never gone to Mississippi, Alabama. Well, I'd been to Gulf Shores, and Gulf Shores is not Alabama. Yeah. It's, it's fake Alabama. And uh, never been to Louisiana, never been to like Central Florida, Georgia, okay, yeah. <laughs> South Carolina. <laughs> so I started to go through the South. It truly is a different world. Totally different world. It's wild how there's really not a lot going on mm-hmm. in a lot of the like, a lot of it. <laughs> a lot of that. <laughs> and so I grew up in down there in Thomasville and it's plantations and it's, you know, just wide open spaces, a lot of pine trees and everything like that. And I went mm-hmm. to Georgia Southern in Statesboro just to get away from home. Sure. And I came back after a little while being up there in Statesboro and there was just still nothing going on. Yeah. And I got used to the hustle and bustle of being right there at Savannah and in Statesboro and they're building things. And I just, I fell in love with that area. And, um, now I go back to Thomasville and there's like nothing. Sure. And I mean, the biggest thing they got going on is they're big, building a bank. And nice. So, that's, that's, big <laughs> that's a big time. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. If the town has a bank, then you're, yeah, they, you're yeah. really going somewhere. Bank and a flashing light. There you go. I, I um, would spend summers in Red Lodge, Montana. And I've talked a lot about that, but I, the first summer I went up there to work, I think I was 14 or 15 years old. I go up there and they pay me in cash. So the two properties I worked on, they'd pay me every week. Literally just, what, what do we owe you? Oh, you know, it'll be <laughs> whatever it was. <laughs> and they'd pay me in $20 and $100 bills. And so by the end of, by the end of the summer, I had just this wad <laughs> of cash and I thought I was just loaded. loaded. And I remember the, the one bank, oh, they had two banks in town. One was like the Red Lodge Regional Bank. And then the other one was Wells Fargo. Right. And so I go into Wells Fargo in Red Lodge, Montana with this just wad of cash and they're looking at me like, it, it was a little suspicious, a little bit, a little, bit. A little weird. And then I, I told my dad about it after. He's like, "You, you really shouldn't do that." <laughs> you're gonna get, you're gonna get a call from the feds next time. Um, but um, the interesting thing about Georgia too is the, uh, it's the, I guess, the cheapest lumber in the entire world. I didn't know that. Yeah. But that's good to know. Yeah. There's more, there's more logging in the South than really anywhere, anywhere else. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Everybody logs, especially around like Statesboro and everything. That's the main crop is pine trees. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. It used to be tobacco. Now Mm -hmm. it's all pine. Yep. Which is funny. Yep. So all the tobacco fields are now, it's all pine stands. Yep. And we've got such sandy dirt that, so my background is in, is in agriculture. I worked in agriculture for seven years, farming cotton and peanuts and corn. And um, so anywhere that the soil was so sandy, which is most places, we would plant pine trees on it and it would grow a hell of a pine tree. Sure. It wouldn't grow anything else. Do you have to fertilize for pine trees? It's suggested, but you don't have to. It helps. It really helps to spray. You need to spray. I don't know the terminology, but, you know, every five to 10 years, you need to spray with a a helicopter for pesticides and everything. Yeah. Really? Mm Wow. How far is Statesboro from Savannah? 45 minutes. Oh. Yeah. Oh, wow. So it's real close. Right. It sits right on I-16 and you just drive straight down. No kidding. Mm-hmm. So, um, 
So you were an ag. Mm-hmm. Was is your or is your family an ag? No. So it's kind of interesting. The reason I liked following you was because we have a similar background. I had no blue collar at all. Is your dad also a tax lawyer? No, he's not. But oh. he's a he's an executive, and um, my mom is a pharmacist. So I, I was wow. Know, yeah, grew up in the neighborhood. <laughs> you know, never <laughs> never did anything like that. Yeah. And um, so I just I loved big equipment, and I used to go. I'd ask my dad on the weekends to take me to the John Deere dealership, and mm-hmm. I'd just sit on all the equipment. I'd mm-hmm. walk around everything. And so when I graduated high school, I decided I just wanted to go to ag. I, I would go to college part-time in the mornings, and then I'd work the afternoons and the weekends in ag. And that's actually what brought me to Statesboro was I just wanted to experience some of the bigger farms in Statesboro. What, what about ag? Like, how'd you make that decision? I had gone to school with a buddy who owned the largest farm in Thomasville or around that area. And so I just went to work for his dad. So you worked in high school? Yes. Out yes. On a farm? Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the, what is farming like in the South? Like, what does working on a farm look like? It's terrible. It is everything from, it's a lot of moving water to spray mm-hmm. the, the crops. Um, we'll plant and may usually for cotton and everything and then we'll fertilize and spray all summer long every day really? and then in august we'll start getting ready to harvest peanuts and then right after peanuts is cotton are peanuts harvest harvested uh, in a mechanical way yes okay so they have a harvester it's normally pulled behind a tractor mm-hmm. and it comes up and it takes the vines off of it throws the vines out and then puts the peanuts up in the top i've I can't recall a time where I've seen peanuts grown anywhere. I could, I, I can't even tell you what a peanut tree looks yeah, like. They're, they're about this tall. Really? Yeah. They're a little bush. Oh, no yeah. kidding. It's just a green carpet. So it's not like hole. an almond tree or something no, like no, that. No, no. Uh, yeah. yeah. They're a legume. Really? Because mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of nuts out in, well, I've seen a lot of nuts. <laughs> I've seen a lot of nuts in California, but it's all big trees. The, the, the pecans, the, Almonds, the walnuts—they're like the walnut trees are enormous yeah. trees. I didn't know peanuts, so I've probably driven by it. Oh yeah, peanut oh field. yeah, yeah. It it almost looks like cabbage out there. It's just a carpet of green. Did your uh, when you went to work in farming? Did your parents care? Not really. They they would have liked for me to go to college and finish the college, but I just I really wanted to work, man. Yeah, I really wanted to work. Why is that? I don't know. I like instant gratification, and I like just go ahead and getting to work. I've always been a hard worker, and I started my lawn care company when I was 14, and so I just built that through high school and everything, and when I got to the end of high school, I said, either I'm going to be in the lawn care business, or I need to go figure out what I'm going to do, and that was to go to work, and I just wanted to learn bigger stuff. I didn't want to stay small. Sure. And um, So lawn care, when you were 14, you started mowing lawns, mm -hmm. and it turned into a business. Mm -hmm. Did you employ anybody? Yes. By the time that I graduated high school, I had five to 10 guys helping me from high school. Yeah, they would come in part-time, but we'd mow grass every single day. had several crews. So So you'd go to school, and then you'd mow grass in the afternoon. No shit. Like seven days a week? Yep. Yep. And I I was a manager at Chick-fil-A, so I would get the lawn care crew started and then go to my shift at Chick-fil-A. Holy smokes. And then go back to school. Wow. Yeah. 
It you was. were a manager at Chick-fil-A. Yeah. Yeah. Night shift manager. No shit. Yeah. You did night shift <laughs> oh, while yeah. in high school? <laughs> yeah. Night shift drive through manager. I love the drive through Really? Yeah. Why? Get people through. Yeah. Does, does Chick-fil-A give you a lot of training? Yes. Yes. They are impeccable on training. Um, just hours and hours and hours of um, videos. And there's there's some that are required, but they always had, if you wanted to, like if you were hired on to work the front line or mm-hmm. you were hired on to work the drive through yeah. you could take classes on your own to learn the kitchen if you ever wanted to work the kitchen. Mm. And so it was nice that you could just, if you had some free time, you could spend a couple hours watching videos and you were now qualified to do another job. Really? And yeah. And they really encouraged that. And I just love the personality of Chick-fil-A that everybody kind of encouraged each other mm-hmm. to uplift each other. And so we would all train together. We would take our breaks and train and things. It was just an, it was an odd experience that everybody was so driven for the same goal to be better at their job. That's pretty cool. What they've done, you can't really dispute no. what they've done. No. Because they've figured it out. Yeah. Huh. So did you, you started at the bottom at Chick-fil-A then? Yeah. Because you were a kid. Yes. So you started at the bottom and then you took these classes on the side mm-hmm. to then learn how to be a manager? Yep. What were those classes like? Well, it it started as a team lead and I was a trainer. I really enjoyed the training aspect because I would bring the new people in and kind of show them. And it was, you could feel out who was the good people of the team and you could really build a good team. I really enjoyed putting personalities together, Hmm. who was good in the drive-through, who was good in the front line. And so the training was probably my my favorite part, but then I got moved up to being in charge of the the money in the drawers for the night and things like that. So I learned a lot about money there <laughs> because as a 17 or 18 year old dealing with thousands of dollars in cash every night, mm-hmm. that will teach you a lot. Sure. Yeah. And then they promoted you to manager after yeah. The, yeah. the money didn't go missing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty wild. Yeah. It's mowing lawns, Chick-fil-A, and working then, on a farm. And then I just, I, I sold the lawn care company and I left Chick-fil-A because I didn't, I mean, from there, it's like own your own Chick-fil-A or work for Chick-fil-A for the rest of your life. So yeah. I, I didn't really want to do that. So I, I left Chick-fil-A and I sold my lawn care company and I was working at in agriculture in Thomasville. And I just decided off a whim, I think it was a week before Christmas, I was like, I'm just going to move to Statesboro. And I crashed on a buddy's couch. When was that? That was 2018. So was that, were you done with school? Was that before school? That I was done with high school, but I was in college, kind of, you know, community college and all of that. And I just decided I'm going to finish it up in Statesboro hmm. and do what I got to do. Did the, the whole time, did your parents give you any grief about any of this? No, and that's the thing. My parents have been so supportive of everything that I've done because I've had some harebrained ideas but yeah. um, they've always been supported and they just wanted me to think everything through there are times that I didn't think everything through but they were always there to support and it wasn't ever you have to go to college and I I, I really appreciate that because it just wasn't for me yeah so. I think that's a great approach too but I think that's only approach that educated parents would have in a lot of ways. I think it's turning a little bit, but it's like if if your parents didn't go to college, that's still like part of the American dream is 
save up your money and put your kids in a position so that they can go to college and be successful one day. That is like the quintessential goal of especially any any immigrant for sure. But then I feel like once you get educated and you kind of start, I don't know, especially nowadays, like you, you see how the sausage is made and you're like, mm, mm, I don't know. And if you want to do it, great. If you don't want to do it, doesn't really matter unless you want to go be a lawyer or a doctor or engineer. Yeah. At least it was kind of the approach that my parents took to was right. I never felt like I had to go to college. Mm-hmm. It was just for me kind of the next step. And when I first started, I thought that it was it was for me. I thought that was my next step. That was how I was going to get ahead and everything. And I went and I was I was actually one semester away from an accounting degree. And I was all online working on the farm. And they logged me out of all my classes. Couldn't get my password. Couldn't get anybody on the phone. And I said, screw it. No shit. Yeah. Why did they log you out? I have no idea. But I had I had A's and B's and I was so upset. <clears throat> wow. And it just, it disgusted me so much that I was like, I hadn't used anything that I've learned. So. Yeah. And I'm not going to be a CPA. So. Sure. So you just. I just said, said let's yeah. go. All in on hard work. So they made, they almost helped help you make the decision then. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So you just couldn't get on your, you couldn't get on your class I couldn't, I couldn't get on my email. I couldn't get on the class website. None of the classes, wow. none of the homework. And I had done so much of the work. We were midway through the semester. And so I did all this work for nothing. And I was just like, I'm not doing that again. <laughs> huh. So, Yeah. Okay, so you're one semester away from an accounting degree. You say, screw it, and then you go work on the farm full-time then? Because mm-hmm. you're already working. Mm-hmm. So nothing really changed? No. Other than not having to do bullshit assignments yeah, in the evening? Yeah, it was great. It was like I, I gained a whole new free time yeah. in my life. You know, I got to come home and I got to watch Netflix like a normal person. Sure. And, you know, it was it was really nice. So it was a break for a little while. <clears throat> the, the one thing college does have going for it, or at least mm, – the one thing a rigorous college program has going for it, because I have seen other college degrees and it's like, mm, it's mm-hmm. not that hard. Like you just have to show up and you're good to go. Um, at least for engineering, one of our, I remember our professor telling us this, like, hey, if you're going to go do more school, if you're going to go start a business, whatever it is, do it right after college because you're already accustomed to working to seven, working seven days a week, nights, weekends, all day, like you're, you're already accustomed to just working all the time. So just roll into, like, keep that up because once that goes away, it's really hard to get it back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> once you start watching Netflix and, and fucking off with your friends on the weekends and this and that, it's like, this is pretty cool. Like, man, I've been missing out. I should do more of this, but I've tried to just keep the momentum. Like I, that's why I haven't stopped. Cause it's like, dude, if I stop right now, I'm not going to want to do no, this. No. <laughs> a, f- a few days off and it, it's just, it's an addiction and you just, ah, I can do it tomorrow. I can do it tomorrow. Yeah. And an and engineering degree, that's no joke, but there's a lot of degrees out there. Well, that, and I, and especially an engineering degree when you're dumb is harder than an engineering degree when you're smart. <laughs> like I, I had to work way harder than anybody that actually knew what they were doing. <laughs> <laughs> like even though even if I was using some right, tricks right. You know, here and yeah, there, like yeah. the work was still required yeah. to pass it. Yeah, but it was that. I think that's the, the 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 two biggest things I learned was just work. Like the work was brutal, 
And so the, the summer working full time was honestly a break. And then I was working like 25 hours a week in an estimating office during the year. And then, so, so, so the work was one thing. And then the constant failure was another thing of just getting kicked in the nuts, yeah. kicked in the nuts, kicked in the nuts. And you're like, all right, let's go back for more. Like mm-hmm. full well knowing that if I walk in there, I'm going to get another kick in the nuts, but that's, right. that's the only way. So that's the only door. I guess we're going through it. And you do that enough. And now in life, that's been awesome. Cause it's yeah. like, okay, great. We, I just got fucked now. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> like, and I, and I dust myself off a little bit. Yeah. Like, all right, let's go for more. <laughs> I didn't do that right. So let's yeah. try it again. But yeah. 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 That was my biggest learning experience from school and everything like that. There's still a lot to learn. There's a lot to learn. Yeah. Absolutely. I think, I think people, like there's this weird push against, it's not weird. There's this push against college. And I agree with a lot of it. There's a lot of merit to it. But at the same time, it's like, ah, there are some benefits. It's not, it's not like it's nothing. Oh, and, it's, yeah. and it's not like it's the only path is to go get a quarter million dollars in debt. Right. It's like, ah, mm. okay. Like you're, you're, I know you're kind of picking and choosing. I know there is a trillion dollars of student debt, like huge problem, but you don't have to, like you stayed in state. Mm-hmm. And state school is cheap. State school's cheap. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I'm just tired of hearing, you know, I can't work and go to school. I get that. Like, if you have classes five days a week, that's fine. But if you have classes two days a week and you're getting a degree in, like, left-handed puppetry, yeah, you yeah. can get a job. Left-handed puppetry is a pretty sweet degree. <laughs> yeah, though. yeah. I, but, but even, again, I was, and I'm, I'm not saying it's better, but I'm saying it's probably among the most rigorous undergraduate degrees you can get is engineering. There's, there's no grad school. It's, it's four years and you're good to go. It's yeah. not, you don't have to go get a master's in accounting and go get your CPA. You don't have to go to law school. You don't have to go to medical school. You do four years, you go right, you're like you're cramming everything into those undergraduate years. But you can still set up your schedule in a way where you can work. Right. <laughs> like, I don't buy, no, no matter what you're doing, that I can't work yeah. uh, unless you're in uh, medical school. Yeah. You know, I, yeah, I, I, get, yeah, that. I get that. But undergraduate, there, there's always a way to work. And I think it's so dumb not to work during yes. school. Yes. Like you're, you, you are the only one that loses mm-hmm. in that scenario mm-hmm. because the principles you learned in Chick-fil-A or wherever you were at the time or at the farm, they're totally different than school. Yeah. And you marry those two things together. Well, that also helps you figure out what you want to do. I mean, in college, you know, okay, get this job. You don't like it. Quit. Mm-hmm. Go get this job. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. But. It, it just teaches you what you want to know because I, I, the thing I disagree with, I, I know there's a need for college and I, I love that we have such a good college education system in the U.S., but we're, we're asking these 18-year-olds who pop out of school mm-hmm. to then choose their degree path. Mm-hmm. They've never worked a day in their life and they want to pick a degree path and then that's what they're stuck with. Yes. And then they're not going to ever really experience that career field until they get out. Sure. And then it's kind of too late. It is too late a lot of times. Yeah. And that's, that's what I encourage is even if you got to take a year or two years, go figure out what you want to do in life. Mm-hmm. And then if that's college, then go to college. If that's go do this training or go to this country, then go do that. Yeah. Or go get a, a business degree, check the box, mm-hmm. get what you can out of it, experiment, you know, yeah. fuck about, do whatever you want to do with your friends. Work on the side as well. Work every summer. Like, 
if you're throwing your summers away when you're in school, that drives me nuts. nuts. So you're you're just going to you're just going to do nothing all summer? Like that to me that doesn't make any like that is your most valuable time in school. Right. Like that's the only time if I'm on a degree path, I'm with a hundred other kids who are in theory, the competition. I am, there's zero differentiation between me and any other person in that class, except for the summers. Yeah. If I take the summer, then I go, that's the only time I can go differentiate myself because otherwise I'm taking the exact same classes and sure grades, mm -hmm. but frankly, no one cares about grades. I've, no. I've never asked anybody their grades. Like I no. could, that, that doesn't, that doesn't indicate anything in my, in yeah. my opinion. Um, so there's no differentiation. Like that's the only point that you have differentiation and experimentation. Like step one, I figured out construction. I want to do construction. Mm -hmm. So I got dumb luck 18. I picked a, uh, a, a degree path that actually kind of fit where I'm at now, yeah. which is awesome. But the first thing that I was told was there's two types of construction. There's vertical, there's horizontal. Go try out both of them. See what the hell fits. I go to work in horizontal. I'm like, well, that, that kind of uh, that excites me more than vertical. I, I start to love that. So I, I'm like, I look at the vertical. I'm like, I don't even need to go try that because I, I know this is my path. Okay, great. Now we've chosen horizontal, but now it's, well, I'll go to work for a small company. Mm -hmm. We'll go to work for a medium-sized company. We'll go to work for a big international company and see which one of those fits because yeah. no two horizontal companies are the same. No. So then I go to work for a small company. I go to work for a medium company. I go to work for the big international companies. And then coming out of college, I can go, do you need a napkin or anything? No, I'm good. I spilled it on my phone. All right, good. <laughs> I do that all the time. Yeah. Um, every time I drink out of this water bottle, I get fucking water just all over me. <laughs> but then coming out of college, I at least now had that idea of I want to go work for a mid-size civil contractor doing this kind of work. I was way better off. Did I learn any of that in school? Mm. No, no, they don't talk about any of that. They don't tell you anything about how the industry actually works. They talk about estimating and project management, the basics. Yeah. They don't explain there's horizontal or civil or, or, or horizontal or vertical. And okay, within vertical, you can go for a GC or you can go to a residential home builder. Okay, good. You can go to one of the national home builders. You can go to a high-end home builder. Like there's so many different pathways. Yeah. And, and this is just construction. Mm -hmm. You go to any other, <laughs> like everything else is the same. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Guys getting degrees in agriculture. Well, there's a million things you can do in agriculture. You can, sure. you know, sell chemicals. You can run a peanut plant. You can drive a tractor. Mm -hmm. I mean- but if you just get that one degree, you don't really know what you want to do. Yeah. So, so you so college, throw it out the window, mm -hmm. or they threw you out the window, whichever one. Yeah. You, you both. It was mutual. Yeah, it was mutual. Then you go, you're in ag full time, uh -huh. and then what? Then I decide. So, I love ag. I do. I really do love ag. But there's very little success in it if your parents didn't own the farm and your grandparents owned the farm. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, with uh, land prices and just equipment prices and everything like that, to step into a fully functioning farm is impossible. Yeah. Um, it's, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's either these families that have been in it for a long time, long generations, long. or big corporations. Yes. Yes. Kind of those yes. two things. Yes. Like it, it's hard to be a startup farmer. Yes. It's either corporate agriculture or 
fifth, sixth, seventh generation farmers. Yeah. And that's that's what you have left. Sure. So because in today's world of needing so much food and cotton and everything, you have to be a big producer to mm-hmm. make any kind of money. You can't just go, I'm gonna go farm a thousand acres. That's a very small farmer in today's sure. world. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You you only you only have the opportunity to make money at scale. Mm-hmm. Is essentially yeah, yeah. the game. Yeah, because a cotton picker is a million dollars. I mean, how are you gonna sure. pick a million dollars worth of cotton? I've also heard the seeds are really expensive. Very expensive. Yeah, huh. eight hundred to a thousand dollars a bag. Really? Yeah, yeah. You wow. Carry a pallet of seed. It's like a brand new truck. <laughs> That's wild. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's pretty neat. But I. That gave me the realization that I didn't want to be in ag long term. I tried different things. I sold fertilizer for a while. Then I ran a peanut plant, and that was eye-opening experience. But that gave me a little bit more in-depth look at the trucking and the construction side of things. Mm. And so that's where I fell in love with all of that. How so? How did it give you more exposure there? Working in fertilizer and the peanut plant. I was in charge of a lot of logistics and putting trucks under loads and figuring out how they made it. So I figured out the math behind trucking before I ever had a truck. Mm -hmm. And I just loved that you can buy this piece of machinery and put loads under it and go all over the, the state and make money with it. And so when I was working at the peanut plant, I bought my first truck. I bought a dump truck, a 2007 Peterbilt. It was kind of a hunk of shit but nice. it's okay did you pay cash for it i did yeah i did but it got me off my feet and i, I quickly realized i fortunately i had a driver to come in and drive the truck because i don't have my cdl to this day and <laughs> yeah, i own a trucking company don't have my cdl can't drive and now i have to go to school which is a whole different thing yeah but um we, we can get into that oh man yeah. that is a horrible situation yeah. but yeah. anyway so I've, I've grown that and i actually just bought i sold that peterbilt got another truck and then i just bought my second truck yesterday in uh greenville wow south carolina so we're gonna have two trucks but that gave me some look at the construction in savannah because we were hauling rock and sand and everything and i said this is what i want to do i like the trucking but the construction is what i want to do i really enjoy the grading and the excavation part of everything but i didn't know where i wanted to go or how i wanted to go about doing it and so i just started i picked up the phone and i was calling these bigger companies morgan corp and baker constructors and uh, reeves all of those and just trying to find what they needed mm-hmm. and my first job was a light grading job behind curb and i didn't know what i was doing i should have got a skid steer i got a 60g with a cab because i wanted air conditioning and everything nice and we messed around for three months trying on one of those warehouses to grade down dirt behind curb and everything but it got my foot in the door with construction mm-hmm. and I, I was very thankful for that and now fast forward to today we've got we dig a lot of ponds in statesboro we started a line striping division and we still do some of the grading work and we do some land clearing so when did you start when was this i started a trucking company two years ago and i started a construction company a year ago really mm-hmm. that's pretty recently mm-hmm. how old are you 
How old are you now? 25. 25? Yeah. Yeah. But this, so this is another thing, is people will see, like, you're 25, and they'll be like, well, what the hell do you know? And it's like, people say that to me. I'm like, oh, I don't know much. But mm-hmm. but then at the same time, I've I've spent the past five years, for example, experimenting and traveling around the world, seeing job sites. Mm-hmm. In a lot of ways, I've seen more more than somebody in their whole career in earth moving will see. A lot more. And I don't know it intimately. Mm-hmm. I don't have the years of experience. But I have a knowledge base there that in a lot of ways far exceeds my just age on paper. And it's like you're in the same boat. At 25, you've worked all of these different jobs and been in all of these different positions, which is, I think, the perfect way to do your 20s. Just go send it. Yeah. And shotgun approach. Shotgun approach. At least aim in something that kind of excites you, like, or or you're good at. Like, just kind of aim it, but just try a bunch of shit out. And if it doesn't, if you don't like it, okay, great. Go on to another one. Go on to another one. Go on to another one. I get it. If you have, like, newborn twins at home, you have a little bit more. A little, yeah. Oh, 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 there's a constraint there. But even then, uh, I think it still works for most people in their 20s, and yet- Everybody is so fixated on go get a good job, go get a good salary. How much money am I making mm-hmm. at 25? Mm-hmm. Oh, let's make a hundred. I make a hundred thousand dollars now. That's a lot of money. And now I'm going to get a nice truck. And now I have this truck payment. Why don't I go buy a house? Everybody buys a house in their 20. That's the yeah, way to wealth. Absolutely. Like I, yeah. I need to go buy a house. Yeah. Great. So I'm going to go spend my money on this house, get this mortgage now. And now I'm 27, 28. Making one hundred twenty thousand dollars a year, spending one hundred twenty thousand dollars a year. Now you can't go and anywhere. You just put blinders on <laughs> yeah, now, for the next thirty years. Now you're stuck, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, now you're in a pickle. Yeah. Uh, so it's like I've always, I've always been in the the mentality of I'm not going to sign a long term lease. I'm not going to go buy a house because then, then I'm rooted somewhere. Mm-hmm. I can't afford to be rooted somewhere. I need to be as light as possible. So if I need to pick up and leave. Good. If I need to break a lease, spend four thousand dollars breaking a lease to go on. And, you know what? That's just a cost of doing business. Yep. That's to me. It's like, why am I worried about the the six months on this lease? You know what? Fuck it. Here's your forty. You know what does the lease say? Forty five hundred dollars. Here you go. I'm out Friday. Right. Like I'm not going to let a landlord dictate what I'm going to no. do in my twenties. No. But <clears throat> and you come back home and the the roof's blown off. Well, guess what? I don't have to pay for a roof. You know. The refrigerator doesn't work. Call him up. Like, <laughs> hey, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it, it just diversifies. Um, I, I just can't see spending the money on a house right now. I've got too many expenses. I would love a house, but it's just it's, it's so hard. Sure. With the real estate and everything. On the construction side of things, so how, did, how exactly did you get the first job? Was it a lot of phone calls? A lot of phone calls. Yeah. And just reaching out to contacts that I had. I mean, this through business, the trucking, through the trucking, through agriculture, through everything, anybody that I could get in touch with that had any kind of pull on the construction world, I called them mm-hmm. because this industry isn't what you know. It's who you know, if you want to get into it. I was blessed to have that first job, but it was a, it was a lot of learning experiences. That's for Sure. Sure. So it was kind of dumb luck getting the first one. Mm-hmm. And then you, you had no construction experience getting into that. None. So it was really just trial and error. Mm-hmm. 
Wow. Yeah. Did you make any money? No. Yeah. No. I broke even. Broke even. Yeah, okay. Okay. I broke good. Even. That's, that's better than a lot of people <laughs> yeah, do. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I, I was smart. I didn't go out and go, I'm going to buy 60G. I rented it. Okay. And so when I got done with that job, I was like, we're turning that back in. And yes. I didn't have that $100,000. <laughs> but that's, that's a good, I think that's a good, like, um, the, the, uh, one of the most famous case studies of this was Richard Branson leasing the planes when he started the airline. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm not going to go buy a bunch of planes when I start my airline because what if this doesn't work? Then I have a bunch of planes <laughs> and I have, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars out there and capital that's just tied up and I, that, could, that could screw me. Mm-hmm. So instead, I'm going to come up with this clever lease agreement for the planes that if it doesn't work, I can return the planes. A lot of people, they go buy a machine to become a contractor. You know... You can just go rent a machine, try it out. Yeah. And you can walk into Cat, John Deere, anybody, and they'll be like, you want $35,000? It's <clears> crazy. <throat> and especially renting a machine. Yeah. Like you go to rent a car, you better be 25 years old, below 25. Mm. Mm. And if we do make it work, we're just going to charge you twice because we can. And uh, that's that. So if you don't like it, kick rocks. You can yep. go into Caterpillar at 16 or United Rentals or whatever it is. Yeah. Hey, could I have a, I don't know, 10-ton excavator? <laughs> sure. Where do you need it? Like you don't need any identification or anything? Like mm-hmm. it's, it's, and I'm oversimplifying. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But, <clears throat> but it's kind of like that. Yeah. It's just a different world. Yeah. But then you're renting <clears throat> a machine. Like mm-hmm. you rent a 60G. What mm-hmm. is that monthly? It's like two grand. Two grand. Yeah. So you're out two grand. Yeah. And if it doesn't work. Turn it back in. Turn it back in. Yeah. Yeah. If it blows up, it's their problem. If it blows mm-hmm. up, it's their problem. Mm-hmm. That's it. Just put diesel in it. Maybe grease it. May. May. It's a rental. Maybe grease it. <laughs> but, but other than that, like there's no, there's no risk there. Right. That's the crazy thing about contracting. There's almost no barrier to entry. Mm-hmm. And people ask all the time. They're like, man. <clears throat> It must be nice to be able to go do that kind of stuff. Anybody can do it. Yeah. You know, you can walk in the cat and get the equipment that you need. And now don't be stupid. Don't go buy a 349 or rent a 349 to go dig a drainage pond or something. But, you know, the equipment's there, the opportunity's there as well. So it's a very low barrier and barrier to entry. Sure. Um, You broke even on the first job. And then how, how have you got subsequent jobs? So I met um, some people within the construction industry that were doing some stuff towards the Statesboro area. And they wanted some ponds dug because they wanted to move to Statesboro. They don't want to live in Savannah and all the traffic. Mm-hmm. And so I actually went out and bought a 326 cat excavator and I've been digging ponds and land clearing with that. And I've got ponds backed up. No shit. I've, I've got two years worth of ponds to dig. Just so. word of mouth? Mm-hmm. Wow. Really? Mm-hmm. How'd you figure out how to dig a pond? <clears throat> the YouTube. nice thing is you just... Uh, YouTube. Like what, yeah. Chris? Like yeah. Let's Dig 18? Yeah. Fucking yeah, guy. yeah, man. <clears throat> the pond master. Oh, yeah. 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 And just trial and error. It's just digging a hole. Really? Just, I mean, the water will tell you where you're at. <laughs> That's it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the uh, world's best level. Oh, yeah. Don't let water follow you, you know. Dig it a little bit deeper over here and make it run that way. Don't run towards the machine. Sure. <laughs> so, how many times you got a machine stuck? 
None so far. None? None so far. Now, agriculture, that's different. I've yeah. plenty, but yeah. never gotten a tracked machine stuck. Wow. Knock on wood. Wow, that's, that's, that's an achievement yeah. in itself. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> um, did you buy the machine used? I did. I did. It had 5,000 hours on it. Was it from auction or the dealer? No, it was a buddy of mine who was in land clear, so I bought it off of him. He no was kidding. getting a bigger one. He was getting a 336. Wow. But the 326 is a perfect little size. It's not too big. It's not too heavy. Sure. I you love it. Transport it pretty easy. Mm-hmm. Do you just pull it behind a dump truck? No, it's too big to do that. It's about a 75,000 pound machine. Okay. But I, I have a friend with a heavy haul truck, so. I know nothing about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you had to buy that machine cash then? So you had money saved up mm-hmm. from landscaping business, all of that. Mm-hmm. You could deploy it if it worked. If it worked. But yeah. you didn't want to go yeah. put it out, step one. Right. And I wanted to be a little bit more mature than when I was, you know, in my 20s or something, or early 20s, trying to do something off the wall with it. So I I felt good about construction, and I just went into it. So You'd, you'd never dug a pond until you're in your 20s. Mm. No shit. And you learned on YouTube. Mm-hmm. That's wild. That is something else. I had only driven an excavator one time when I bought it. Really? No. Wow. No. Were you scared shitless? No. I can. Uh, I love driving new equipment, so I was, yeah. I was. I was ready for it. Well, I mean, about like just putting the money out on something that. Oh new. yeah, that's terrifying. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Buying trucks and then buying this, and I have no idea what I'm doing. Yeah, it's terrifying, but hard work. <laughs> huh. You just got to commit to make it work. So that's fascinating. Um, so you're digging these ponds, and do you have any people working for you now? You said you have a truck driver. Yeah. So I have two truck drivers, and they haul a lot of the dirt, but then they haul for other customers, rock and sand for yeah. some of these bigger concrete companies. And um, I had me a foreman that was doing, helping me with the uh, grading project, but that just didn't work out. You know, it's. He was younger than I was. So I've hired several people, and right now I've got three part-time guys that come in and help me, and they'll help me from excavating the ponds to the line striping and everything like that. Yeah. And um, But what I've, what I've noticed is all of my guys are younger than I am. I, it's very difficult for me to hire somebody with experience because I have no experience, so why would you come to work for me? Sure. So that's been an interesting thing with the training is that I'm training myself along with them. Mm-hmm. And so we're all in this together. We're all having a learning experience and we all have our strengths. And uh, that's been really eye-opening to uh, to deal with these younger guys. But they they have big futures in the career, in the industry as well. So they're they're willing to learn on a Sunday how to run a piece of equipment when we're not working. And so I've been really thankful for that. It's just trying to get the right training down yeah so how uh we need to show you guys our training platform mm-hmm. i think you'd really enjoy mm-hmm. it you'd really enjoy it yeah um and a lot of it's free too no you could just use the free stuff if you haven't already yeah you'd get a lot of benefit out yeah. of that yeah. someone in your position i've gotten a lot of benefit out of it i watched y'all's um estimating because i have no idea what i'm doing estimating oh good <laughs> was it helpful it was it was helpful yes that's amazing yes excellent yes, i love that so estimating you've just kind of made it up yeah yeah. That's the thing. Everybody's always it's it's kind of the same thing with with anything, but everybody a lot of people ask, how do you how do you do pricing? I'm like, <laughs> bro, we've just made it up. You yeah. just you just got to figure it out. Like there's no 
I can't give you the formula because there isn't a formula. Mm -hmm. And we've developed kind of a formula that works for our business. It's not going to work for yours. Like <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> and, and it's the area. Like I'm in, I live in Statesboro, but I work in Savannah. Price in Savannah is not the price in Statesboro. Mm -hmm. You will never get that price in Statesboro. Sure. You know, they will laugh you out of town. Yeah. But it, it, you just have to, there's too many things to consider to ever have a straight up formula. Yeah. You can know the gist of what you need to charge, but then on top of that, you just have to kind of wing it and well, do you, your math. Yeah. I mean, you do your math on like your machine, for example. Mm -hmm. So you, 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 you do your math on your depreciation, on mm -hmm. your fuel burn, on your mm -hmm. time, on is there trucking, is there materials? You put it on a napkin, you circle the number at the bottom. You add a little bit to it yep, yep. <laughs> or a lot to it, depending <laughs> on if you want the job or not. And if you get it, you get it and you hope the math works out at the yeah. end of the day. If the job says two weeks, put four. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. And that's the thing with digging a hole is you mm -hmm. kind of know what's there, but you don't know what's there. You don't, know you don't have there. a soil report no. on somebody's pond in their backyard. No, <laughs> like, no. You don't know if there's going to be <laughs> pine trees sawed off six inches beneath the, uh -huh. the soil yeah. or not. And you're going to have to stump half of it, so which takes a lot of fuel. Where'd you find the the young guys? College. Okay. Yeah. So, you, so you knew Georgia them. Southern's a big college right there in Statesboro, and I'm right there, and I've um, got a bunch of buddies who are still in there, and so I'll just go and hang out with them, and then ask them and their friends, "Hey, you want to get to know how to work in construction? Okay, no you know, work with your hands a little bit. I'll pay you cash. <clears throat> you know, I, I would have if someone would have asked me in, me that in college, I would have been sign me up, dude. Sign me up. I'm, yeah. I'm all about it. Yeah, all about it. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So they're still in school. Mm -hmm. So I have to work around their school school schedule, but fortunately I've got, you know, three or four of them. So they're rarely at school at the same time. Sure. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's clever that you're doing trucking too, because I feel like that is going to be one of the single greatest advantages any contractor can have. Absolutely. Especially right now. For one, it pays the bills. And for two, <clears throat> most Digging contractors, small digging contractors do not have any kind of trucks, mm -hmm. so they have to outsource all of that. Well, yep. I'm a lot cheaper because I can keep it in-house sure. and I can move it a lot faster. Well, it, and most importantly, you can you dictate the schedule. Yes. And that's what I learned from uh, a big contractor. It used to be Reed Contracting in Alabama. Mm -hmm. They were vertically integrated. They did everything on a job everything they cut their own grade stakes they bought lumber at scale but you know bundles of lumber they'd bring it in on forklift they had a little shop in their back of their accounting office and they'd cut their they'd cut their own grade stakes wow they did everything but the magic of that was they want a job they've got the job mm -hmm. because they dictate and and if the schedule's x but they want it to be y it's they're just waiting on themselves. Mm -hmm. If they're doing trucking, concrete, paving, utilities, earth moving, everything. <laughs> I, I love the vertical integration platform. I yeah. mean, it's just it's an awesome model to live by. So, well, every contractor right now, like trucks, are everybody's pain in the ass. Yeah, most of the time. Absolutely. If anything, COVID showed us that we don't value our truckers near enough. Big time. Near enough. But I would be looking at that. And again, I'm just the peanut gallery. Mm -hmm. I'm just the idiot on the sidelines. But if I would be looking at that like, huh. So this is everybody's thorn in their side right now, other mm -hmm. than labor in general. I'm going to try to figure this out. Yeah. Because if I can figure trucking out, hmm. now 
not only can I make my operations mm-hmm. move a lot faster, but yeah, I'm very valuable to everybody else. Yeah. I mean, trucking is holding up multi-million dollar warehouses because they can only pour till lunch exactly. because they don't have the dump trucks. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah. There's your opportunity. Yeah. Now, how to solve it. Uh, I mean, if I had yeah, an answer, yeah, I'd tell yeah. you, but uh, <laughs> I have no idea. Truck drivers don't gr- grow on trees. <laughs> no, no. And you're in, in that market, you're competing with all the big commercial development. You're competing, you're competing with the port. Mm-hmm. You're competing with the logging industry. There's a lot of industries. Paper, like yep. there's a lot of industries that need yeah. trucks farming yeah. Yeah. in that region. The porch is our main, like adversary and as far as trucking because they can go hop in a junked out truck they can go to the junkyard and buy a truck that barely runs and go snatch a container and haul it to Macon. Mm-hmm. and so if, if you're a truck driver with any kind of cash that's what you're doing sure because you're going to run the containers yeah owner operator owner operator um with the trucking mm-hmm. can you explain the cdl thing yes <laughs> so a year ago, you could go to the DMV, get your CDL permit that I can drive with another person in the truck. And then you go study up and take your test at a DMV big truck area. Mm-hmm. You have to drive, you have to do a pre-trip where you have to touch everything and say if it's scratched or broke or whatever. And then you have to back and you have to drive. And it's a big test, but you have to study it all up and then you had your cdl it's yeah it's like a more complex driver's test yeah yeah. kind of like what you have to do for your license right a lot more right a lot more studying i mean the youtube video for uh studying it was like two hours long yeah just to and you'd watch it over and over and over and over again but it was it was 75 dollars to go take the test Mm -hmm. so now they signed into law that you have to go to school and you have to go to 180 hours of schooling and they don't have trucking schools on every corner. Sure. Yeah. So yeah. my problem is, so <laughs> I, I haul a lot of equipment on my gooseneck around mm-hmm. um, for myself and for other contractors and things like that. It's a great little sideline uh, income. But it's, um, I have to have a CDL to drive my pickup truck yeah. with the gooseneck. Yeah, yeah. And so I've been trying to go to school because I, was so busy and got lazy. I didn't go take my test last year. I had the permit, but I never went and took the test. So now I'm screwed. Mm-hmm. So I went to a school last week and went to talk to them. And it's a big trucking company that owns the school. It's eight weeks, five days a week, 7.30 to 6 every day. And it's $8,000. Fucking crazy. Crazy. So it's full-time. You have to pay for it mm-hmm. and you have no income. No income. While you're doing it. Yeah. You can't work on the side. No. You can't go be a truck driver. Yeah. <laughs> it's insane. Yeah. And they're in right now, one of the biggest problems in the country. Everybody just heard about the whole supply chain thing, mm. trucking. Truck drivers, they're aging out like anybody else is. Yes. And now there's this enormous barrier to entry to getting into trucking. Yes. Enormous. Like, I, I mean, again, I'm an idiot and I can do the math on that pretty quick. Yeah. And in my head be like, hmm, that's going to be a problem. Yeah. 
Like yeah, very, very what lobbyist, what lobbying group was behind this? Cause someone just paid a lot of money to get this through. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's about to screw a lot yeah, of people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Next time you drive by a truck, look at who's driving it. I guarantee you they're not in their twenties or thirties. No. They're going to retire. It's either soon. It's either people that are older or immigrants. Yes. Immigrants. Yes. Huge. A lot of truck driving is by immigrants. But now. <laughs> yeah. That's and, out and, that window. And so this big company, they were like, oh, I said, well, I don't have eight weeks. I can't take the eight weeks. And eight grand is just absurd. And they were like, well, you can come drive for us and it'll be like $500. Mm-hmm. And that's how they're doing it. So, so there's, there's the big trucking companies. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. there are technical schools that will do it. But for some reason, they have to operate on the semester basis. So they're full up for the next two to three semesters. It's so wild. Because they're like, oh, we're only taking 20 people in the class and it'll be a, for the full semester, but you'll only come in one day a week. And it, it's just stretching everybody out way far. That's the thing with technical schools, though, too, is I, I just have such a problem with we need kids to go to tech schools because mm-hmm. I just one. The higher education system has crushed most tech schools. Mm-hmm. Like, look at what happened to a lot of the, even the big ones over the past 10 years. They got yeah. crushed yeah. and they're no longer there. So that's one. Two, the ones that are there, they're filled. They're filled up. Right. You can't just go walk in and go to tech school anymore. It doesn't work that way. And I, I am Mr. Paint with a broad brush. <laughs> I am painting with a very broad brush right now. But if you want to go to tech school for civil construction, Good luck. Yeah. I, I don't even know. I don't even know what to tell you. Yeah. I literally, I can't even give you one good lead of, you should go here. I, yeah. don't, I don't know. No. <laughs> no. I have no idea. And why does it have, why do we need this semester system in a tech school? Like I'm the biggest idiot when it comes to electricity. I have no idea how it works. I like I, I could wire up my uh, headlights on my truck if yeah. I had to. Yeah. I have no idea. So I would love to come and take a couple classes on electric engineering or something like that. But, oh, no, I have to sign up for a whole, Mm-mm. you know, degree almost and take several semesters worth of, you know, history classes yeah. to be able to learn about electricity. Well, and even worse, like if you had kids mm. and you're in class from eight to five or whatever it is. Yeah. Well, childcare doesn't run till five. No. <laughs> and now, so now you're out. You're not only out your income. You're not only out the tuition. Now, like say you have kids. Mm-hmm. So you're gonna pay for childcare for three kids? Yeah. Like, what do you do with them? Yeah. I I I, I don't know. And then they have to feed them, and then they need somewhere to live. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just the whole thing. The it's it it it's really maddening. And I would three if this were three years ago, I would have thought, well, you know, it's the government, and mm-hmm. they're. They're doing the right thing and they're keeping people safe and these trucks, they're dangerous yeah, and lots of accidents. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm really happy there's more training for truck drivers. But now I'm like, hmm, so who paid for this? Mm-hmm. Who's making the money? Yeah. What's the play here? Because yeah. there's a play. This is not accidental. No. This didn't just pop out of nowhere. This is, like you said, probably the big trucking companies are like, mm-hmm. hmm, how do we go squash everybody else? Because we need people. And our shareholders are saying we... We better keep this growth up. Yeah. So let's go squeeze the hell out of all the small guys. You can come drive for us. Yeah. We'll fix your problem. And before, if you went to take your CDL test, you better know your shit. Mm-hmm. And now 
you think that if I go up there and pay $8,000, they're going to let me fail? No. They're going to hold my hand and, oh, you did this wrong. Uh-huh. Let's do it again. Yeah. You did it wrong. Let's do it again. Yeah. So there's no. And so are we really getting the safest drivers out of this? Hmm. Are they really knowing the stuff? So you mean this might not work? <laughs> That's insane, though. Yeah. That's maddening. Yes. But good news for everybody. You don't need a license to drive a heavy piece of equipment. No, that is, that is great. <laughs> That's the one most, one of the, probably the most shocking statistic I have for somebody not in the industry. They'll be like, so what kind of training do you need to run like that machine? And they'll point to the next computer. Zero. I'm like, nothing. <laughs> you can just get it and send yeah. it. So they're like, like you don't need any training. Or we've been going through uh, a second investment process over the past it's kind of been ongoing for the past year. So we've met with a lot of um, investment firms and that kind of thing. Haven't done any deals with the big, big firms, but we've talked, I don't know, probably 40 or 50 at this point. And I'm talking about our training platform and basically saying like, there isn't, there are no standards yeah. in our industry for training at all. At all. And they're like, oh, come, like, come on. Like, what, what is there? Yeah. I'm like, there's nothing. <laughs> nothing there, there, there isn't anything like I, I, i'm not i'm not i'm not exaggerating here yeah sure if i go to work for peter kiewit there is a program yes. or if i go to work for you know local 150 yes there is a program mm-hmm. but big picture nothing nothing it's get in the machine wiggle the sticks yep you better hope you're really slightly productive yep you better hope you don't scratch the damn counterweight or, well, if you're yeah, at a company I mean, that there's no pain on the counterweight, who gives a shit? Yeah. <laughs> like, depends where you go. Yeah. <laughs> but you have uh, this, uh, you need a little bit of this desire to excel and to not fail people. Mm-hmm. And then that's the, 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 like you just said with the truck driving school, for example, if you have this potential for failure, that is very motivating. Very motivating. Very motivating. And I think it's the same thing with heavy equipment. Like yeah. if someone finally gives me a shot, I'm not going to screw this no. up. No. And I'm not going to be experienced, but I'm going to do my damnedest to figure this thing be out. Be very, very careful. Yeah. And, yeah. And so that's why I think we've built this training platform, not to talk about training all the time, but people are like, well, why would people do it? <laughs> I'm like... They, if you gave me this at 18 and I had never stepped foot on a job site before, I would be eating this shit up. Absolutely. I'd throw Netflix out the window. Mm-hmm. I'd be watching every excavator course you got, every safety, every, every leaders. I'd be watching every single video on this damn thing because that'll allow me to not be a total asshole when I show up to work tomorrow. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like that's the motivation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's like, that's inherently human. I don't. I want to fit in. Mm-hmm. I want to be part of the tribe. I don't want to look like an idiot. Yeah. So whatever I can do to be effective, right. I'm all about. Right. Because this, the desire to not look dumb and to not be out, you know, shunned from the tribe, the organization, like that is a huge motivator emotionally. Yes. Yes. And I mean, you can get on an excavator and figure it out. You can dig a hole. Sure. But you get on a motivator, for instance. Uh, there's no training for that and it's very very difficult you don't just pick that up no well and and even with an excavator though um so 
anybody can get in and fill the bucket. Mm-hmm. That's pretty. I can I can fill yeah. the bucket. I can lo- load an articulated truck, kind of. Yeah. And I I get five hours a year. <laughs> <laughs> I have like I, I'm not I'm not great, but yeah. I can do that. But if I go dig a pond, uh, figuring out where to start, where to stop, mm-hmm. how to grade my slopes, how to place my you know how to manage my material effectively, mm-hmm. where to put the trucks, uh, I, like there's a lot to it. Yeah. Oh, I run into something I shouldn't have run into. What do I do? <laughs> oh, oh shit! I've never worked with this material before. Or oh man, the machine just broke. What do yeah. I do? Yeah. Like, I, yeah. There's so many now. Oh, it just rained. Now it's wet. Mm-hmm. Should I still try to dig? Should I not waste my time? You know, it, it, yeah. There are so many factors that great. I can put buck. I can put dirt in a bucket. Mm-hmm. That's not really. Yeah. That's not really the skill. No. The skill is all the other stuff. Yeah. Feeling it, being one with the machine. Yeah. 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 So what's beyond this? I don't know. I want to. You just doubled your your trucking fleet yesterday. I know. I know. I'm excited about that. So we'll we'll see how that ends up i'm excited about the line striping i know it sounds boring but that's pretty cool so striping on on uh like asphalt yeah the new construction all these new warehouses and things oh really yeah yeah i so that was part of the thing that i decided to do when i got into this was the thing that helps is (laughs) you can have an idea in your head of what you want to go do so i wanted to go do like light grading and everything well that might not be what these guys need Mm -hmm. so if you ask them what is it that you need? Mm-hmm. It may not be the glamorous thing or anything like that, but it pays. And they're like, I need line striping. I need erosion control. Yeah. Things like that. Yeah. For anybody trying to get into the business, don't don't put your blinders on and think, okay, I'm going to go do mulching and that's all I'm going to do because mm-hmm. there's a lot of people doing mulching. Sure. Go find what the industry needs in that area. Well, and if you're bidding against 12 people yeah, versus bidding against two people, yeah, yeah, make a lot more money. Yeah. When I found out they were bringing in people from Texas to come stripe lines, I was like, well, I can figure out how to shoot a straight line, mm-hmm. I think. <laughs> so you just, you just figured that out too? Yeah. Buy I a bought, striper? I bought a striper. Really? Put all the lasers on it and everything and just went out in my, in the parking lot in my neighborhood and put some tar paper down and just started shooting lines no shit yeah in the cul-de-sac i was gonna say how do you practice striping yeah, it's very hard but yeah basically graffitiing a whole parking lot <laughs> yeah wow yeah, so just a bunch of tar paper no kidding yeah and you just all right i'm gonna make a straight line yep straight line wow so it's one of the walk behind stripers mm-hmm. no mm-hmm. kidding i'm not smart enough to ride do one of the ride-on ones. The ride-on, yeah. Those are hard. That can go wrong quick. Yeah, real quick. <laughs> the problem with striping, too, is it's kind of permanent. Well, if you screw up, there's only two ways to do it. You can grind it off yeah. with a diamond blade. Which is expensive. Yes. And you can acid wash it off, mm. but it will etch the concrete, uh, and you have to have a pressure washer, so don't screw up. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's a lot more unforgiving yeah, than dirt. a lot dirt. more unforgiving. Huh. But it's interesting. You get to see it's one of the last things that goes in on these projects. So you get to see the final project. Hmm. And uh, it's, it's been a neat experience. I, I've enjoyed it. So. so are you the strapping guy? I am, unfortunately. How do you, how do you manage your time? You're the pond guy and the striping guy. 
every day is a new and adventure. the accountant and the truck mechanic truck mechanic <laughs> yeah every day is a new a new adventure so i wake up in the morning i have a plan of what i want to do but it usually goes a shit about nine ten o'clock in the morning mm-hmm. and then i just tackle problems from there and delegate the things that i can delegate so i've been training up a lot of these guys to take my position in the excavator take my position line stripe and they can do all of that so as long as i have some guys i can i can delegate so mm. no. no like i got a call this morning my truck broke down uh on the side of the road but fortunately i had guys around and we delegate it and get it fixed nice so, no what are you like what's your strong suit with the organization what are you good at i don't know I like to think of the opportunities and run the numbers on a business. I would say that would be my strong suit. Mm. But, no. Have you been able to pay yourself at all? No. Well, the minimum. Yeah. 20 grand. Yeah. Or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. Enough to, yeah. Enough to feed you, but put as much through the business as you can. Yep. Yep. Uh, That's fascinating. Yep. All in. So from here, it's developed a team. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, delegate more mm-hmm. and find other opportunities. Find other opportunities. That's wild. Find other smaller niche opportunities within this industry. That's so cool. Yeah. So I like to build a little niche, almost like sideline business. Like I'd really like to get into the um, the erosion control, do some hay spreading and some seeding and stuff mm-hmm. like that. It's a need, and uh, I can put one or two guys on it and sure. let them rock and roll. Yeah. So anything that's not all that sexy. Yeah. But makes yeah. money. Yeah. I'm all over it. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. And you're timing it just perfectly because Savannah is just, that market is blowing up blowing and it up. is not going anywhere anytime soon. That port is going to at least double in size. Yeah. Yeah. They're going across the river. I mean, yeah. they're, yeah. they're talking yeah. big projects like, let's take the bridge down, put a tunnel. Uh, I mean, no just shit. Crazy stuff. We're talking about a tunnel already. Is that a brand new bridge? Yeah. They barely they barely even have the pillars down from the old bridge. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. they, they No, I know for a fact they still have them up because yeah. um, I have in the past flown my drone around that area because oh, there yeah. is some very cool equipment at the port. <laughs> oh, I may or may not have. Yeah. Yeah. Flown no, my drone. No. Yeah. It's, it's uncertain. Um, but I know that they have the old bridge there, which I think is so cool because you can see essentially what the elevation mm-hmm. was going over the, the river, yeah. the old bridge. Yeah. And then you look at the new bridge, you're like, whoa, that's, yeah. They really hiked it up there. Yeah. But I guess to explain the port's growth, it was all, all basically thanks to the Panama Canal. Mm-hmm. So they widened the Panama Canal to, to accommodate what they're calling Panamax ships, which are much wider ships. So now you can ship a lot more, mostly containers, from point A to point B, because yeah. the Panama Canal is essentially the Panama Canal dictates a large portion of global trade, right. which is wild. So they engage in the largest earth-moving project in world history to go not just build one canal, but they expanded the canal. It came online a few years ago, probably a little bit ago mm-hmm. now. And then to remain competitive, what all of the ports on either side of the country had to do, but especially on the East Coast, was go expand and, and essentially accommodate these bigger ships. Yeah. So they, if they had bridges that restricted the height because the port is on the other side of this, this bridge in Savannah, mm-hmm. 
they had to go build a much higher bridge. And they say same thing in Charleston. And then they also had to dredge and deepen yes. for these ships to come in and out, depending on the tide or irrelevant. It's the tide making the tide irrelevant because it's just deep enough at any time of day. So I think Savannah did a billion dollars in dredging through the Army Corps. Yeah. It was a massive, massive contract. So it's much deeper. So you dredge to make it deeper for these ships. You widen things out to accommodate the ships. You raise things up mm-hmm. to accommodate the ships. And then you now need all of the additional port infrastructure. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. And, and then now that the port is more effective and bringing goods in and out, now that U.S. manufacturing is coming back mm-hmm. because of all of these hundreds of billions of dollars we're inventing, um, now uh, like Hyundai or Volvo, they can mm-hmm. go build a plant in Savannah. Mm-hmm. They can manufacture their vehicles in Savannah and then they can go put them on the port put them on boats, send them around the world. And then all the suppliers to Hyundai, they're like, oh, well, we got to go to Savannah. Now all the suppliers need to be there. Exactly. Yes. And now everybody needs a warehouse Mm -hmm. and every acre is worth thousands. Yeah. Yeah. So so like a place like Savannah or Charleston, it's just blown up, blown up because of trade, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Which is amazing. Yeah. Don't quote me on this, but I'm... Pretty sure they're moving the equipment, unfortunately, from Savannah to Brunswick. We're not going to have the, the port for the equipment anymore. Damn it. Really? I, I, loved, I loved looking over the bridge and seeing that. Dude, it's, that's the coolest thing. You can yeah. go over this bridge in Savannah. You can, you can walk on the bridge. I, that's my running route mm-hmm. just to see whatever equipment they have down below. Yeah. So on both sides of the bridge, you'll have on one side brand new excavators, mm-hmm. 395s, 374s. 350, whatever, like all sorts of brand new excavators, loaders, and some haul trucks typically. Yeah. And then on the right side, you get like a variety pack. You get whatever fun stuff's down yeah. there. So you'll get a PC 1250 and a 992 broken down. And holy shit, is that a 794 haul truck going abroad? And skid steers, as far yeah. as you can see. Haul truck tires oh, everywhere. Yeah. Everything. That's where it all goes out, which yep. is so cool. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, now I have to go to Brunswick, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Uh, we went down there with Morgan Corp one time. Oh, they were yeah. expanding part of the port yeah. to probably accommodate yeah. the heavy equipment. Yeah. Um, they were doing roar compacted concrete. Have you been to the JCB um, manufacturing facility? Never. Never. Okay. No. It's pretty neat, but it's it's just one of those hidden things in Savannah. You never think about it. But You never think J- about it. JCB's right there. Until you go to the, you fly into the Savannah airport. Yeah. And they have like a JCB telehandler. Yeah. Like in the airport. In the airport. And it's not yeah. very big. You're yeah. like, what the hell is that doing here? Yeah. Is that like, are they renovating? Or like, oh no, that's, yeah, that's a new machine. Yeah. Um, so, I forget. I always forget. And isn't Sani in Georgia somewhere too? Yes. I forget where they're at. And Komatsu's in Georgia. Are they? Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. And then Caterpillar has some. Yep. Caterpillar has uh, some. Uh, manufacturing in They Athens. used to have one in Thomasville. Caterpillar did. They made motors in Thomasville up until oh, really? I graduated. Yeah. They moved out. Wow. That would have been a cool facility to see. Everybody's sleeping on Georgia, man. I know. Mm. I know. We're going to be the manufacturing capital. <laughs> it's wild. Yeah. I mean, that in South Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. I think South Carolina, from a manufacturing standpoint, has just dominated in Texas. Yeah. yeah. But the East Coast in general is, is, is just growing by leaps and bounds for manufacturing. And, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's all this 
again, it's all this federal money. Yeah, oh, yeah. So they don't come in and, and we'll buy that land. We'll spend all this money. It's like, no, no, no. Hey, federal government. Hey, mm-hmm. state government. In theory, if we were to put this car plant here mm-hmm. and employ X amount of people and say we manufacture X amount of cars, yeah. how much will you give us? Yeah. Oh, a billion dollars? <laughs> there we go. Hmm. But uh, North Carolina said they'd give us $1.5 billion. So a $1.7 billion? Great. You know what? We're moving to South Carolina. That's kind of how it <laughs> yeah, goes. Yeah. And uh, most recently, too, with this, not the infrastructure bill is one thing, but this CHIPS Act mm-hmm. uh, is how I was, I was trying to figure out how these battery plants were coming. Like, like how are all these multi billion dollar battery plants just appearing out of thin air? Yeah. Like it just doesn't make sense. There's one in Statesboro just popped up. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're everywhere now. Yeah. Everywhere you look. Oh, mega project here, mega project there, battery plant, battery plant, battery Like just whoever wants a battery plant, just yeah. let's build a battery plant. Yeah. Like who gives a shit if we can find the lithium <laughs> and the, the cobalt and everything that goes exactly. into that. Like, but let's build battery plants because yep. that's what we need right now. Yep. And I'm just wondering, it's like, fuck is all the money coming out? No, and then I realized mm, the federal government's like, Here's a billion dollars. Here's a billion dollars. You want a billion dollars? You're going to build a battery plant? Send it. Let's not not think about the economics. No. Let's just go build it. No. Yeah. Who's going to work there? I have no idea. I don't know. That's the crazy thing, too. These big projects, they're screwing the whole labor market up. Yeah. The whole labor market. (laughs) Because it's like, hey, you know, Savannah and Statesboro, that's a working community. Mm -hmm. Everybody's got a job. Yeah. You know, you don't see people walking around looking for jobs. No. So- where are you going to hire 10, 20,000 people well, to come so employ these places? The, and then they just, they, they muscled their way in. They pay a lot more money. And now you're sucking people away from the logging industry and from a lot of these other very fundamental industries to go work in automotive manufacturing. Yeah. But the thing about electric cars too, it's very attractive from a uh, manufacturing standpoint because they require far less labor. Yes. Far less components. You don't have an robotics. Yeah. Well, oh, it, well, yeah. Yeah. You're, yeah, you're removing a whole, like the most complex part of the machine you're, you're removing essentially. Yeah. So with far less components, just in general, it's simpler to manufacture. Mm-hmm. You need less labor. You need less parts. There you go. We can make more money. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's also federal, federally subsidized. Oh yeah. <laughs> Great. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. I know a lot of big construction companies have lost a lot of people to like this mega site. And things because it's just huge. Yes. yes. And they they all say, "Oh, it's it's for the money. It's for the money." They're leaving for two dollars an hour. No, they're not. No, they're not. The number one answer I get when I say, "Why did you leave your job that you've worked at for fifteen years for two dollars?" They're like, "I'm making history." No shit. Yeah, it's the pride thing. Wow. It's just pride. They want to be able to drive down the road on I sixteen and show their grandkids, "I helped build that." See, this is where I think construction companies don't do themselves, again, broad brush, yeah. they don't do themselves any favor. They, they think of people as simple. Mm-hmm. They're simple. They just want more money. Yeah. And I just, I just don't buy it. It's like, no, that's not. And sure, if you're not meeting someone's basic needs, they're not making their mortgage payment, money is the number one factor. Yeah. But once you exceed that, which can be really exceeded by any contractor now. Then what? Yeah. Then what? And if you can offer someone that purpose, that yeah. sense of pride. Yeah. 
instead of just another warehouse. There just you go. another, you know, DOT project. Yep, you know? Just another mystery warehouse. Yeah. Yeah. That nobody will ever know what's in there. Yeah. We can't even talk about the yeah. company paying us. Yeah. It's this e-commerce website, but yeah. we can't say a peep about it. No. Right? No. It's project just, Project Big Bird. Yeah. Whatever it was. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All the projects in Savannah have some weird. They, oh, yeah. That's the newest thing is let's let's not say what it is, yeah. even though yeah. everybody knows yeah. that another thing out there, or at least in Charleston, data centers. Yeah. We don't have a whole lot of those. Not in Savannah, but I know Google has a big yeah. footprint in yeah. Charleston. We just finished a massive Amazon warehouse. Massive. Off of 16. Was that? Morgan Corp did that, didn't they? Like yeah, I yeah. think they did some of it. Yeah, yeah, that's so great. I love this stuff. Uh, I, dude, like global trade and trucks and ships and trains and moving dirt. Like it's all just fucking cool. Yeah, no one thinks about it. Mm-hmm. No one thinks about it. They all think we live in this internet world. We're all moving to the metaverse. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> sitting here, I'm like, no. bro, no. Like you still eat every day. You still shit every day. Yep. You throw stuff away every day. You, like none of that is going away. No. No matter how much technology we go implement. Right. You're a human being. You require food, water, and shelter. End of story. No. Yeah. And you're gonna buy things on online. You're gonna buy shit online. And those that went through three, four different warehouses. And so mm-hmm. it's just it's been an I hit it nail on the head as far as timing in Savannah. I, I was so thankful for that because it's, yeah. it's right as it busted off after COVID and we are just rocking and rolling now. But I think the principle applies anywhere. It's not, yeah. it's not dependent of the market. I think your, your question of what do they need? Mm-hmm. You can ask that anywhere. 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 And if you're someone within a business Say you work for one of these big earth moving contractors. I don't want to go start a business. I don't, I don't want that risk. This, I'm like, fuck all that. Which, right. Yeah. There's a lot of days where it's just like, man, I wish I could just, I just want to watch Netflix right now. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't want to go do this. I yeah. don't want to work something. I want to clock out at five o'clock and wanna, not think about yeah, it. Yeah. 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 Oh, my phone's ringing. Sorry. Yeah. Not my problem. Like <laughs> that, that's cool. That's yeah. a cool thought. Yeah. Um, I would still be asking myself how, like, what is the most valuable role I can play within this organization? How do I make myself more valuable? How do I do the jobs no one else wants to do? Right. Because then you start to become irreplaceable. Yes. If, you're, if you're afraid of a recession and a layoff in the construction industry, for example, which I just don't necessarily see, but uh, I have no idea. Who knows? We turn the economy off tomorrow. I don't, I don't yeah. know. But if, if especially, I think it's just a good thought. Like, I was talking about this the other day. How we always joke that like everyone's replaceable. It's kind of the joke. It's yeah. Because like, everybody, you know. Yeah. Everybody's replaceable. But then I also kind of got serious and I was like, I think that's a great mentality to have. Mm-hmm. To think, to consider yourself as replaceable. Because then that's a driver to say, okay, how do I make myself irreplaceable? Irreplaceable, yeah. And how you make yourself irreplaceable is how do I make the company a lot more money? Yeah. How do I do things smarter? Yeah. How do I build others around me up? Right. How do I become an effective leader? How do I 
I mean, but just become a weapon and go serve this company. And if it works out for me, then I can go anywhere in this company. If they treat me like shit, now I'm very valuable in the open market. Exactly. And I can go to another company. Yep. But it starts with that sense of ownership. Mm -hmm. But everybody, well, not everybody. A lot of people have a bad attitude. Oh, they just don't care, this and that. I'd be like, I would reverse that and be like, what can I do to become irreplaceable? Irreplaceable. I saw something the other day. It said, be humble enough to know that no one is irreplaceable. Or, yeah, irreplaceable. But be arrogant enough to know that it takes two or three. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what I want to be, you know. That's Anybody's it. replaceable, but it might take a few people. <laughs> oh, I, and I, I view myself as replaceable. Yeah. It's like if I'm not best suited to lead this organization, I mean, Steve Jobs is kicked out of Apple. If they can kick Steve Jobs out of Apple, it's like <laughs> I can sure it should be replaced. <laughs> like, <laughs> like my ownership stake in this business, it, it doesn't provide me any comfort. No. I, I, I need to earn this every day of the week. And if I don't. Mm-hmm. You're out of here, yeah. Bubba. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you post on social media? Yes. yes. Where do you I, post? I just started my Instagram, but I'm horrible at it. Okay. So, so should people follow you or? Yeah, yeah. Brackish Construction. Brackish Construction. Yeah, yeah. Check. Yeah. That's it's really cool what you're doing. Yeah. I think it's very exciting. Just trying to grow. I'm small now, but I'm trying to grow and do other things. Learning experience every day. Yeah. No, it's, um, we get a lot of criticism for like, oh, you only show the big shit. Like, well, have you listened to the podcast? We have a lot of people like you that, yeah, I started a year and a half ago and I I rented a machine. I just bought a second truck yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Because it's possible, you know? Yeah. Right. Well, I appreciate you coming over here. Did you fly over here? Yeah, I did. It's, uh, did you fly Southwest? Delta. Was it? Uh, Do you have to go through Atlanta then? Oh yes, dude. You have to do Southwest. There's a direct flight. Really? Yeah. Oh man. Like an hour and fifteen minutes. I won't be back till midnight tonight. Nashville, Savannah. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, um, absolutely. Really stoked to see what you guys do over the next few years. I'll be following along. Yeah. Maybe we'll see each other in Savannah. Yeah. When you come to Savannah, let me know. Well, I'll let you drive the escalator. Man, do, do some line striking, whatever you want to do. That's all you gotta <laughs> tell me. Right on. Well, yeah. thanks for coming. Absolutely.